Hi, everyone. Just a little disclaimer before this episode, because it is a very special episode. It is not about a single fantasy book. Rather, it is about a museum exhibit. Terry Pratchett, His World, which is mounted at the Salisbury Museum in Salisbury, England. Also, instead of featuring myself, Grace, and my sister, Madeline, it actually has our mom in it talking to me about the exhibit. We retired to a pub in Salisbury afterwards to just decompress and get all our feelings out. And so we recorded that so that anyone who might not be able to see the exhibit can get kind of a feel for what it's like. In addition to having this audio, I have about a million pictures that I will put some of up on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. And I'll throw some up on Twitter and Instagram too. We're on Twitter at dragonbabiespod, P-O-D, and on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast. For new listeners, welcome. If you'd like to hear more Pratchett goodness, we have two episodes that are about his books. One is episode eight, which is about Mort, and the other is episode 13, which covers We Free Men. So I definitely encourage you to start there if you'd like to hear more. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. Cheers. So this is Grace, and I'm with mom, with my mom, Elise. <laughs> We've talked about plenty, but you guys have never actually heard from her before. So now you get to tell me about all the times when we messed up Terry Pratchett references or didn't remember something because mom has reread all of his books in the last seven years. Yes. <laughs> So there's a lot that she knows that uh, might not be fresh in the rest of our brains. But the reason we're here together is we're sitting in a lovely pub in Salisbury, England, where the Terry Pratchett exhibit is mounted at the Salisbury Museum. And we saw it this afternoon, and we wanted to share some of our thoughts and kind of discuss it a little bit, since I think there are probably lots of listeners who would love to see this exhibit but just don't have the chance to visit things kind of came together for us in a freak way <laughs> and here we are um so first impressions of the exhibit what did you like best about it the painting of sir terry and death playing chess mm-hmm. that it was in the little memorial room that spoke about how he left us too soon yeah i love that painting and i appreciated that that was further into the exhibit i was kind of worried at first that we would be hit over the head with sadness um, because the images that I saw from the exhibit ahead of time were all about that kind of early onset Alzheimer's room um, which has thoughts from Terry about the process um, but also has a positive note because he talks about using his platform to bring attention to Alzheimer's research I like the quote that it's amazing what you can get accomplished when you donate a million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that was so cool. And of course he would use something as horrifying as losing his ability to read and write, which is yes. the form that his Alzheimer's took to bring awareness to the condition. Yeah. Yeah, so 
that was probably I don't know I mean it was hard to it was sad it was moving it was moving I got teary Mm -hmm. and then that was followed by a succession of um there there was a great deal of Paul Kidby's artwork who does the more recent covers and illustrations for a lot of Serge Harry's different projects um but then there were there was also work by um Oh, I forgot to double check his name, but the artist who did the earlier editions that we used Smith. to have, Colin Smith. Um, Colin Smith was someone else who did like his really early stuff, but the one who did the really like intricate and kind of gross covers for the Color of Magic and for the Death Trilogy. The Rinsman books, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Josh, uh, Josh something. Egbert. <laughs> Egbert. We'll put the name in later. Sorry. I'm really sorry. I don't have a way to look at notes right now. Second most favorite part of the exhibit yeah. was they had four dress up outfits. They had yes. dress up outfits for Rincewind, Tiffany, um Annette McFeagle, and um Moist, moist, moist lip wig. That's yeah, moist what I lip was wig. trying to come up with. Moist lip wig was the first one in line. Yeah. And Grace actually dressed first. She immediately seized upon the neck mac feel outfit. We were questioning whether she should put the, the wig one orange on her spiky head. wig because maybe it was infested. But she immediately but did. Once she got the clothes on, had to put the wig on, and she immediately assumed the position of a neck mac feeble ready for battle. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I had to use a hanger as a weapon because there wasn't no anything weapons. there. Unfortunately, obviously, they don't want weapons in a museum, but it was really um, thrilling. It was a great costume. They did a good job with the costumes, I thought, because they, they clearly adorable. made them themselves. Oh, yes. Um, or, and then, well, hired a seamstress to make them because they opened down the back yeah. in one piece. And then you Easy to slip on. Yeah, when the, the outfit on. When one of the um, museum employees was telling us about the costume, she said that the McFeagle costume was child size. <laughs> she looked at me and was like, you could probably get it on. And, then and I did. Once Grace had it on and had assumed the position, that same Museum worker came around the she corner. Appeared. Was absolutely astonished. You should have seen her face. It was wonderful. She said how amazingly photogenic and McFeagle-like Grace looked. Yeah, it was perfect. Which um, I don't know. I've never thought of myself as <laughs> Feagley. <laughs> you were. You were definitely. Um, well, okay. So I really appreciated. Um, I think the entire layout was really appropriate. Um, I know that it makes sense to go chronologically, so starting with early works, um, Mm -hmm. like a school project that ended up being published in a sci-fi, like a little sci-fi quarterly magazine, something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, that, uh, yeah, and learning more about um, Terry's childhood. Um, I know it feels weird call, just calling him by his first name, Terry, but everyone in the exhibit was doing that and referring him as Terry. if he was, you know, a close personal friend, mm-hmm. which he was of some, you know, some folks who had gone, gone through that exhibit for sure. Um, because there are letters at the end. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the very first, I actually really liked the placard talked about how the headmaster gave up on him right. by the time he was six years old on him learning to read. And his mother immediately gave him a penny a page and taught him to read. Mm-hmm. And he said at one point, 
but later in the exhibit he references that and says he only made about three pence because he started with well, wind in the willows and she never had to pay him right. again. And then he never wanted to stop. <laughs> he never stopped reading. And there's an entire section devoted to his love of Tolkien. Yes. Um, and Terry's copy of Return of the King is displayed, which was really cool to see. And his letter that he sent to Tolkien um, talking about how, shoot, I can't remember what the name, it's one of Tolkien's shorter uh, long stories. The Mayor of Wands or something? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I haven't <laughs> yeah. read it, but Terry said in it, it attained this sen- this feeling that I, I had never, that I think the trilogy reaches from time to time, but this was really sustained throughout, and I thought it was so incredible, and I need to tell you that it's my favorite of your works. And there's a letter back from Tolkien. It was a letter of appreciation from Terry. It's just... Thank right. you for writing this book. Mm-hmm. And Tolkien sent back a letter saying, thank you for appreciating my work. Yeah, he said, I, I have nothing more I could say. I feel similarly to you. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Um, Mayor of Wollum, I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember. Like and was Smith Wollum? Adorable. I remember. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to read it now. Yeah. <laughs> really excited about that, actually. Um, yeah, so I, I liked the early early time in his life room, and it had, um, yeah, his just stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else, um, whereas maybe we could see some of the artwork and um, artifacts elsewhere in the exhibit online. Um, this stuff was, yeah, really cool to see. Every small commentary placard beneath every artwork was something written by Terry as well. Yeah, that was definitely, I mean, I spoke about this earlier, but that was my favorite component of the entire exhibit because it was like getting new Terry Pratchett work throughout, but it's him reflecting on his own works and kind of his entire career as we went through it. Um, And no one can make a joke that's better than a joke he's going to make. I have noticed that when we covered both We Free Men and Mort, we would try to paraphrase something that was like, there's no point in even trying because we're not going to achieve anywhere near the levels of perfect, succinct satire satire, Mm -hmm. with anything we do. Um, And it was also fun to see him openly say that he was just interested in parodying fantasy when he started both good fantasy and bad fantasy. Um, And then Discworld kind of from that. His very first work was The Carpet People and it was published. And right. he, he was amazed and his publisher was amazed and it never stopped. And then he said that he, instead of being rejected again and again and again, like so many writers are when they're trying to start yes. working, he was published right away so then he had to learn how to write over the next <laughs> five or so years. <laughs> it was amazing. And Um, he was aware of that, and he was kind of grateful for it, but also kind of stunned. It's like, how did I get here? Right. Yeah. But I, yeah, and I think that it just hammered home for me throughout the exhibit how special he was and how people could appreciate his talent from such a young age. I mean, before, because he he didn't go to university, he was. yeah, still in, I don't know what the term is in England for school before university. Call It's college and then university, right? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Someone tell us, please. <laughs> so it's um, not called high school. 
No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, he he went right from school to being a working, working writer. Well, he worked he as was, a journalist. He worked as a journalist briefly, and then he worked. What was the other job? He worked for a nuclear. Um, yeah. What was that uh, about? Like a nuclear plant, helping them with basically public relations. It seems like that's right. And he said that at the time they were being just honest about everything that they were doing because nothing else, no other they approach. They tried other worked. approaches and none of them worked. So they started telling like, the truth. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like actually tell people what the risks are here and what's going on. I and lo- it said he left that for good in eighty. One or something like that? Yeah, or maybe the 70s, I don't know. What is the quote under one wall that talked about people who disapprove of books are those with no imagination or something to that effect? Yeah. People who disapprove of fantasy um, are those that have no imagination. Yeah, but it was even more broad than that. It was kind of a, you could tell that it was kind of his... um, approach to humanity and the Uh way that he divides them up and he commented on that in a different um, placard next to his uh, the bone that's named after him that's right there's Um, a dinosaur vertebra that was named for Sir Terry Pratchett and he said something like it's my human litmus test if I tell them about this and they're like oh is that a good thing then I know that they're a robot from the planet Zog or something (laughs) They don't instantly recognize that's the best possible thing. The coolest outcome. He said there are various insects and fish also named after various characters from his books. Which, I mean, what more of a legacy could you ask for? So many people. That's just it. So many people from so many different walks of life, age groups generations were impacted by his work and loved it loved it and I feel like I I don't know I appreciated that there weren't more people there it it, we went on a Monday morning in November um, in November yeah it's not it's cold (laughs) um and we we're learning on this trip that a lot of smaller towns in England just short of short of shut down in the winter time um, and there's winter schedules for everything, and some businesses seem like they don't ever open after Tourist, October. Tourist towns. Yeah, yeah. Not real towns. No, obviously. <laughs> the people lay in their vampire beds, and they just hibernate. It's good for them. It's good for the skin, good for the well-being. Um, Not just yeah. every town in England. <laughs> I said town. The town closed for the winter. <laughs> and there's just signs over the main drive-in that say, turn back, we're asleep. <laughs> It's cold. <laughs> the way is shut. Um, the dead keep it. But uh, the exhibit had a few other folks. Um, oh yeah. And I, I almost wanted more because I wanted. I'm always so curious learning about the fandoms of fantasy authors that I love because it's so different from something like I, I also love music. And when I go to a concert, I get to see right there the cross section of individuals who, who are excited group. about that artist and mm-hmm. would, you know, be willing to go stand for hours to watch them hit an instrument. Um, but it's different with authors because I feel like the fan bases are so spread out and they're, they're never really the bodies are never put together in one place 
Unless there's something like I didn't know that there were Discworld conventions until oh, today. Know that? No, oh, I, I didn't. Read about those in his some of his writings and are they still are they still going on? I'm sure they'll go on forever as long as this generation lasts. But I think we had a good representation. I mean, there were were several couples that were 20 years older than I am. Yeah. There were several. Elderly there were couples. elderly folks there. And they were so cute because you could tell that both members of the couple had yeah. read and they were very interested in. Yeah. And they were grinning from ear to ear because so they were just in front of us. So yeah, I kept coming up behind them and seeing. There were several of those. And then there was the one group that appeared to be in their early 20s. They were obviously yeah. just... You would see probably at a Discworld fan club. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Very nerdy yeah. and awkward, and oh, we're at the Terry Pratchett exhibit, and then there were there was Grace and I. Right, okay. I know, and we occupy our own space yes. for sure, <laughs> our own unique <laughs> label. Not sure where we fit in. And but. the um, the museum employee we talked to quite a bit because I think she was excited to uh, first of all have people from far away. Well, she kept trying to make eye contact with me, and I wouldn't look at her. <laughs> in the room because I was just like, no, I just want to experience Classic this. Harnoy. <laughs> she couldn't take it anymore and just stepped up to me. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. And then she didn't stop talking And then she didn't stop. And then she followed us later. <laughs> she followed us from room to room. And she watched me try on costumes. Exactly. That's the one that came around the, room, the corner as soon as Grace had her Knock McFeagle outfit on. Yeah, she was overjoyed when she saw me with the wig on and told me I looked like Sharon Osbourne. Um, and then when we were asking about the other costumes, we were like, oh, that's Granny Weatherwax. And she was so disappointed. She was like, no, I'm so sorry. It's Tiffany. A lot of people have asked for Granny. <laughs> we're like, we don't care. It's okay. We love Tiffany, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, there would, I, something else I noticed was that I felt like the event was kind of Tiffany-centric, which I'm totally fine books. with because I love those books. And... Terry said exactly he said that he said the children first of all that the children's books he's written are his favorite books he said that one of the placards and then he said that Tiffany was his favorite character and that the most of him was was in Tiffany involved in Tiffany and Sam Vimes and Sam Vimes Vimes and Tiffany had the most of him in them Mm -hmm. but he said all of his characters did you read that one placard that said that all of his characters he didn't know how it happened but it appeared that there was they were inside him and he would tap into that aspect of himself and yeah. that was that character hilariously he the only time when he kind of disavowed a character was Rincewind and it happened he doesn't a few like times. Rincewind either. he doesn't like Rincewind and mom hates <laughs> Rincewind <laughs> the first the first Pratchett book I ever had and read was The Color, Color of Magic. Magic so very Rincewind centric and then you read it and you didn't like it you oh, liked I the writing. The first book that we read was the Death Trilogy because that's the no. one that your counselor sent home. Well, he sent you. The Color of Magic, The Light Fantastic, and The Death Trilogy. Okay. Yeah, he my. If you haven't heard the story, go back and listen to our Mort episode. Um, it. Uh, yeah, I had a counselor at camp when I was like eleven, and he 
one day came up to me and said, you don't really seem to talk. You seem super shy. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Then he said, so if you don't like talking, what do you like to do? And I said, I like to read. read. And then at the end of the summer, after I had gone home, I got a book from him in Scotland. He was from, he was Scottish that had a bunch of Terry Pratchett books. Yeah. Which so that's was amazing. How, that's how our whole family got started on Pratchett. I was a little concerned when the package arrived and wanted some details about who this counselor was. It was sending my 13-year-old daughter packages from Scotland. I was younger than that. I was a kid. <laughs> it concerned me, but it turned out he just I think was he was just a good he wanted, camp counselor, and he was like... You and know he what? loved Terry Pratchett. Yeah, I told him I liked to fantasy, too, yeah. and, the, and he asked me at camp about Terry Pratchett, and I said, I have no idea who that is, who because his books about? weren't even available in the U.S., really, at that point. We had point. never heard of him. We, and we, no. have, we like, knew the fantasy sections of bookstores at that point. a lot of time the point. bookstores, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, I am eternally grateful to him. What was his first name? Sean. Sean. Yeah. I'm eternally grateful to Sean, Sean for turning us on to Terry Pratchett. So yeah, then we've come full, full circle. We're visiting the United Kingdom for the first time. <laughs> because of the Terry Pratchett yeah. exhibit. That's um, the reason we came. Yeah, and I'll I'll put up pictures of the maybe of me as a McFeagle. No, oh, no one knows what I look like. <laughs> We can put a black circle over Yeah, that's face. good. I'll censor my face with Just it. The red spiky hair. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you can always check our Twitter, Dragon Babies Pod, and our Instagram, Dragon Babies Podcast, for photos. We'll put up some other gallery exhibition photos, too. Okay, so I wanted to talk about what was clearly the most involved portion of the exhibit, which was a recreation of His Terry's office. office. Uh-huh. Um it was really yeah. cool. I was trepidatious about it beforehand because I felt like it would feel cheesy. Um, I was just concerned about that. You know, whenever there's something like that where you... Invade their private would, space. Yeah, and you spend time imagining what that space is like for them. So then it's also kind of uh, an issue of like worlds colliding, your own mental image, and then Reality. what it was really like. Um, Reality never lives up to expectations. No, but but <laughs> looking up toward the heavens, his mom says that. It was actually really charming and kind of offbeat and interesting, the same way that all his writing is. I mean, there were six monitors, and they had set them up to display different things that clearly Terry was interested in. So one had meatloaf up on iTunes. <laughs> Because he listened to a lot of meatloaf. <laughs> that was what we were told. The curator um, made sure One to had tell us Doom that. up, uh, and a game was just cycling through. One had his word processor, one was his inbox, um, and then a Wikipedia entry open to uh, Arsenic. Arsenic, yeah, open to Arsenic. <laughs> just, it was wonderful. I really like those that touches. That was because of veterinary, don't yes, you think? Yes, yeah. Um, and there was a beautiful photographic. A recreation of his bookshelf, which we learned in the exhibit, he purposely had built sturdy enough that it could hold an Encyclopedia Britannica on that free every shelf. shelf. Yeah, because he didn't want know. it sagging in the middle. Because when he got married, all he had were bookshelves right. that sagged in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't wait until I have a room that has a full built-in built shelf. shelf. That's exactly what I want. But I liked about his office that there were. Um, Discworld, there was original Discworld art framed on the walls, that it was a place where he could go and immerse himself in Discworld. And there was a grimoire. There was a grimoire on a book stand. Uh, 
amazing. The luggage. Uh, the luggage was great. <laughs> the luggage was like perfect Little who created that some feet underneath and teeth coming down yeah, from the inside yeah. um some sculptor put hundreds it was incredible of feet sticking out the bottom of this trunk there was actually and i wasn't expecting any um sculptures but there were actually quite a few and also bronzed recreations of book covers with three-dimensional um, art cool. coming out of them those, those were, were amazing really cool. yeah yeah there was one for color of magic right is that what it was there because was, it had the great there were many for tiffany aching books there were yeah. several weren't there yeah Pat Phillips guy with mcfeagles crawling oh yeah the mcfeagles coming yep. out um oh. no those were glorious <laughs> yeah and another one thing that set this exhibit apart for me was that it took place on multiple levels and in multiple rooms. Yes. And we were actually told that they've never had anything like this before. We looked at another room and it's full on archaeology. <laughs> she said, Iron it was quite a stuff. risk. It was quite a risk when we decided to mount this exhibit. It was yeah. like, well, let's see how it goes. Yeah, because uh, Terry had worked in Salisbury and, and she, kept, she kept saying. Salisbury. Right, no, exactly. And she kept saying, yeah, to go from our usual exhibits, just having a van coming over, bringing all that stuff. She brought up the Setting van up a few times. Yeah. Bringing over our personal artifacts from an estate. <laughs> she was great. But it, I it think, works. worked out perfectly. But yes. it, it was so cool to then be able to, oh, I'm going to walk up these stairs, and we go down this hall and find this other little nugget of Pratchett amazingness. Yes. Um, and there was also a post box that you could put your letter to Terry's family in and the grumbled and growled. <laughs> I think that's out of um, the most recent one with Moist Lipwig, where he sets up the post office, the Uncle oh, post office. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And, and we were also, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I love the voice. At first I thought it sounded like a toilet flushing one time, and then another time it was muttering and grumbling about, oh, we got to deal with this. I don't know. what. It, I think it was to um, represent goblins that were okay. working for him that yeah. were handling oh, the mail yeah. and deciding what chute to put it in and where it was going to go from there, I think is what the sounds were supposed to be. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, and we were also told that... It was not an actual post box from Ankh-Morpork. It was a, what did she call it? Authentic, authentic reproduction. reproduction. It's an authentic reproduction. And she <laughs> smiled as she said it, but she was very proud. And there was another man in there who was being very faux-impressed. Like, ooh, ah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That's quite impressive. He was great. Um, yeah, and that was the that was the final room where you could write a letter um, to, to the family. The family. She, said that she yeah. wanted us to put that the reason we had mm-hmm. made our first overseas journey to London to the UK was because we knew this exhibit was here and we wanted to see the exhibit. And she looked at us and said, "You, you, you have to write that. His family needs to know. Yeah. This, these are so important for his family. Write that on your letter upstairs. It was great." And there were other letters on the wall from very VIPs. Like Neil Gaiman had a letter on the wall. Um, I saw one from Rob Wilkshire, Terry Pratchett's PA, who mm-hmm. for the last few years is the one who wrote down anything that he wanted to write because he was unable to read, read or 
Right. His brain lost the ability to translate symbols into meaning, it sounds right. like. But he could, the, yeah. as he said, he could speak perfect sentences. He could compose them yeah. in his mind, but he could not read them or write them. Yeah, and it's, it's clear that the two of them had an extremely close relationship. Um, and they also have the hard drive from Sir Terry's computer, yeah. which he left specific instructions was to be run over with a steamroller upon yeah. his death because he never wanted any partially complete work right. published and it, posthumously. And they said that there were probably ten different starts of books or pieces of books that so he had been working on. destroyed it because that's what he wanted. Yeah, and I really appreciate that because I yeah. feel like the sanctity of having control over your work is uh, so precious and I'm terrified of that feeling of anything after you're gone in your name being uh, warped or, you know, an attempt to make it as good as but it's not anyone other than Terry Project could it's make it, but it brain. doesn't yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It it's not work. him. And just for those of you who, like my daughter Grace, have not yet read *The Shepherd's Crown*, *The Shepherd's Crown*, the last Tiffany Aching book and the last published work of Sir Terry Pratchett, it's yeah. worth the read. Yeah, it's very good. It provides closure. Yeah, I am going to read it. I'm okay. really excited now, and I was, you know, told in the exhibit also. <laughs> check it out and just seeing those incredible illustrations of tiffany i i think i i want to reread all of them i did you know we did we freeman a few months ago for our episode but i i'm aching to keep going (laughs) (laughs) you never like my I'm just doing the Madeline role, right? No, now. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But you're doing the Elise role. Of the that's Madeline right. Role. Sorry. Um, well, I mean, I think that's. I think that's everything that I. Except that the setting of Salisbury. Oh my God! Traveling yeah. to it on the double-decker bus, looking at the windows. I mean. Oh, that was too. Well, yeah, we <laughs> we took the train. <laughs> It was to Stonehenge. <laughs> Never mind. We did. We went to Stonehenge this afternoon, so we've had quite a day. But, but you get a feeling, having been in London for a week, mm-hmm. where a lot of his inspiration for some of the weird characters and mm-hmm. weird names of places where they came from, very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we went to Weymouth on the Jurassic Coast a few days ago, and that gave us a good impression of what the chalk might be like. There are some beautiful paintings of the chalk by Paul Kidby in that upstairs room. Did you see those? Yes. Um, Granny's, uh, Granny Egging's house. And then the one that was just the countryside with a few McFeagles in the foreground. Granny Weatherwax's house was one of my favorite paintings. There were no humans or Discworldians in it whatsoever, but you could see. There was one of Granny Weatherwax's house? I'm talking about Granny Aikings. No, there was Granny Weatherwax's house with the hills and the ram tops and the water going off. There was mm. her cottage and the beehives in the foreground. You don't remember oh. it? 
I, I no, I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking yeah. of it as if it were Granny Aching's, but it was Granny Weatherwax's. It was Granny Weatherwax because Granny yeah. Aching was the one just below it right. that was on the chalk hills no, that you're had totally right. no trees or anything around it. So they put them side by side, which oh, I think is neat. That's awesome because Granny Weatherwax was in the first yeah. female-oriented, air quotes, female-oriented book yeah. that he wrote when he started the Witch series. Yeah. Because those were before any of the Tiffany Aching books, I yes. believe. Yes, yes, yeah. Tiffany came later. You have to read The Shepherd's Crown. I do. It comes full circle. I do. Um, okay, Sorry. Especially now that I know from no the, spoilers. the museum guest aid, there's like something crazy that happens. I don't no, know. Okay, maybe just... I'll cut this out. <laughs> I don't want to give even the vaguest idea that there is a spoiler of a spoiler. There are... There's good closure. Well, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast. My Go out with a chip crumble. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have seen the Terry Pratchett exhibit or have any questions about it, um, I also have a million photos. I think I photographed every piece of art and almost every placard in the entire exhibit. So Between us, we did. Yeah, so if you guys want um, more to see some of that, just let me know, and I can create a post with, like, a ton of photos. But if no one's interested, that will take a a while to do. So let me know. I just want to know what you'd like to see. Um, You can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at dragonbabiespod, Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast. And that's it. Bye. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Bye, guys.